today, my wife asked me a very self-aware question. She asked me what the difference between feminine and masculine meant. This question came up when I was talking about integrating and what integration has revealed for me and another topic we talked about in professional life of integrating the engineering side of our brain, the analytical and the creative side, the imagination side, and uh, the import of integrating feminine and masculine sides of our mind came up and she asked me to clarify that and um, what that meant for my personal truth. And I think that that is a great topic that um, I tend to talk a lot of, about a lot of things that um, weren't necessarily explained to me, but I learned them. And once I eventually had enough of my silos educated on the things that I didn't want to do that would work through mental health practice um, of the doctor that wasn't just wanting to patch things up, but give me the tools to grow beyond uh, very Eastern philosophy for uh, Western-centric study. Um, very counter-conditional, but eventually one day it just kind of all clicked and started working. Not unlike a startup, you know. A startup, they'll have venture funding, and they'll have, you know eventually the moment when they hit that exponential curve and things just start to work. This is how I've treated my mental health. Whether or not it was a conscious choice, it was a willing choice. Um, about eight, nine years ago, I started down a mental health path that, was, path that was very unorthodox. It did not feel like it was working until it started to work. And... And then I realized I was educated on things that I didn't want to believe. And as soon as I believed in them, all of my silos that were educated in things that I thought were incomplete were actually the principles I needed to replace the rules that I and so many others learn from watching but not listening ourselves and other people. And this is why it's important to integrate the feminine and, and the masculine. I realized for me that integrating the feminine and masculine was that last piece. But whether or not you integrate that first or after you're educated on all the things you need, it doesn't matter. That's the turning point. If you integrate the feminine and masculine and you don't know the things you need to, to, you know, make it work in the long run, you're going to feel like you've been gypped of knowledge. You feel like you've been duped. The fact is, is you can still teach yourself these things. It's just really hard to address, you know, more than one silo at a time. So it takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of, you know, questioning yourself and your reality and things around you to relearn the things that help benefit harmony between the feminine and masculine or the way I did it which was getting all of that knowledge up front 
resenting the fact that it wasn't working like following rules and then one day it clicked this is the benefit of having a mentor or a guide or a coach or a doctor through this process but it's not to say that you can't do it the other way that's the paradox of this that it can work the socratic method or it can work the other way around and there is no right way there is only what works and what doesn't work i know that doing this the way where I would integrate the feminine and masculine never worked before I did the things that were counter-conditional, counter-intuitive for me. So that's why I almost had to be tricked into educating these things by trusting someone else more than myself. And then it all kicked in. Realizing I had been presented with the idea to integrate my feminine and masculine for years all through and before the point that I was ready and it clicked. The fact is, is when it's ready and it clicks, is not pertinent to whether or not you need to know what you need to know to cope before or after. Because what you use to cope is not the same thing as what you need to understand to not rely on rules that let you cope. And that was that was the key. Integrating the feminine and the masculine. How did this look to me? Well, when they weren't integrated, when they weren't in harmony, my feminine side made me anxious. It made me worry. It made me want to text everyone, you know, hundred times a day, or it made me want to respond before I got a response. It made me overwhelm people who were in the now. It made me push away people who cared because I didn't know how not to be clingy by following. It's like I had a roadmap that kept taking me to wrong places. And instead of questioning the roadmap, I would question myself. I would question my worth. I would question my value. I would question my lovability. And this broke me. This broke me so much, realizing that my masculine side was um, was a masculine type of intelligence. It was a lot of memorizing data and facts that were not as useful as my creativity, which was more rooted in my feminine side and uh, to go around cultural norms here for a second sex and feminine masculine feminine masculine do not have anything to do with sexual organs this is how we can have effeminate men that are still straight this is how we can have masculine women that are just tomboys and date men. This is to say that the societal norms of genitalia is not the same as masculine feminine. The same way, you know, being straight and gay is a spectrum between two oscillating points. It's a you have a spectrum of straight and a spectrum of gay and they revolve around each other in harmony like two suns that 
two stars that revolve around each other. They require their revolution and harmony as much as, you know, the planets in orbit around them. And it gets more confusing. It gets more complex. I won't say confusing because that's a perspective. I think it's quite curious, which is a positive form of, you know, the positive alternative of confusion. I think it's quite curious how two stars revolving around each other can also have planets that revolve around each other because they create the same sort of, you know, order through chaos necessary to have planets in orbit. It's dangerous to get closer to them as you can't get as close to them as, you know, Venus, Mercury, and uh, Earth and Mars all the time because they create weird poles that would destroy planets that got too close to either one. And this is where, you know, things like gay and straight are. Every, every, gen, every, uh, Sexual preference is a variation or combination or a combination of variations of straight and gay. And this is what is confusing about certain things like gender, which don't have anything to do with sexual preference. Gender has a lot more to do about sexual orientation. How do you how do you come to a mental resolve between your sexual organs and your sexual preferences? This is the gender spectrum. This is the same thing as there are multiple ways of saying whether or not somebody is smart or dumb. Some of them are offensive. Some of them are factual. Some of them are medically relevant. Some of, there are so many ways to describe the spectrum of smart and dumb. That there is no absolute right way to be smart or dumb. This is the same conundrum we have with gender. Where sex is an absolute. It has to do with matter. Gender has to do with almost a spiritual side of things. Where you can convert gender, not unlike converting religion. And just like there's no absolute right religion because... Even if people believe that there's an absolute right religion, if there was, by now, there would only be one religion. So when it comes down to, you know, a belief, there is no absolute that is right for everyone. Or else there would only be one gender. Not even to even the fact that most people that believe that gender couldn't be a spectrum still believe there's more than one gender. So this this has even evolved over time. There was a time when, really, most people believed that there was only one gender. Everything else was subhuman compared to this gender. And things have changed since then. Things are changing again. Most people don't think that things can change this drastically unless there's a middleman with enough authority to say that things change. This is quite common through history. And now we've gotten to the point where, you know, we've talked about sex, we've talked about gender, and then what is masculine-feminine? Masculine-feminine is more to do with our choices. Gender is not as much 
about choice as it is our awareness of how to define choices that make us happy. Whereas masculine feminine is our nature. It's more personality than it is, you know, trying to understand the choices we make that lead us to a more fulfilled, more happy, more joy-filled life, more peace-filled life. Nature is understanding ourselves so that we don't try to be something we're not. I see this affects every sect of society, cultural, national, political, sexual, all of them are kind of ignoring, not in absolute. There are many people talking about the differences between masculine and feminine, but obviously this doesn't have as much attention as sex and gender. But masculine feminine is why some people are more inclined to have emotional intelligence come naturally, and some of them are more inclined to understand it well enough to teach it, but struggle with practicing it. This is the nature of humans, realizing that my nature is naturally in harmony with masculine feminine. This does, is not the ideal. Most people should work to find a natural harmony between their masculine and feminine self. The thing is, is because I was led to follow societal norms and say to myself, I need to be masculine if I'm going to get a wife because I am straight. I am a white cisgender male that has confidence that is abused by memorized arrogance. It leads to entitlements and privileges that I do not capitalize in in a healthy way. In coming to terms with my masculine feminine, realizing I had a gender role and a racial role and a societal role and an expectation role to fit in meant that I was leaning more towards one side when my harmony was natural. That is why when I was learning how to be more feminine and embrace the feminine side of myself, I realized I didn't really take any value from finding harmony because just believing that it wasn't bad or wrong was enough for my nature to show me that they were in harmony. And I saw this as a huge blessing that other people will say is, is a natural talent. This is a natural talent that when denied, I broke than more humans could believe in. I had to keep up a facade of fake it till you make it because things would work six, maybe three to six months at a time. And then I'd have three to six months, maybe even more of, I just can't do anything. I'm worthless. I'm loveless. I'm unlovable. I like, I am not of any value realizing that there's almost a perfect harmony of arrogance and depression. Arrogance that led to depression. Arrogance that was mistaken as mania that led to depression. I had a natural harmony that when de denied, I broke when people were like, well, just pull it together and, you know, just, you know, you don't have to know everything you want to do. Just do something. As no one 
could find a way not to judge me, no matter if they were masculine, feminine, straight, gay, you know, it didn't matter. It's realizing that because I was not letting myself believe anything that was expected of my middle class, lots of privilege that I'm very grateful for. It's given me the safety net I needed to not wind up on the streets or dead. But I see so many people from the middle class or even upper class that are pushed to death, homelessness, severe life-destroying addictions. And that becomes the expectation they have from their entire safety net. This is why when I realized, when people were talking about things like white privilege, cisgender privilege, all of these things, I denied them with feverence that most people would not believe unless you knew me from before. And then I realized, just because they were not absolutely right about me, doesn't deny the fact that they are not wrong. At some level that I didn't want to address, that I thought I could explain away. But in reality, I was denying my personal truth for a memorized truth believed by many collectives that I was a part of, a national collective, a religious collective, a societal collective, a class collective. Most of these people weren't telling me what to do directly, but even the expectations and the fear of being a part of them indoctrinated me to believe that that's who I was and I was afraid of it. Especially the fear-mongering that being a cisgendered white male of privilege is a bad thing, that fueled my resolve to explain and, you know, fight off temptations of violence, which I had a history of, you know, fear of becoming violent. I wanted nothing more than to get rid of this temptation of anger and violence and negativity. But the people calling me out on it were doing nothing more than offending me, which is my choice. It was definitely my choice. But there's a better way for us to spread a message of change, realizing that it's not either or. It's not either Malcolm X or Martin Luther King Jr., Realize they were both speaking the same truth. But one of their truths was anti-fragile in nature. The other was fragile. It attracted a lot of attention. But it was also not letting go of anger, hate, frustration. It was explained brilliantly. Malcolm X is one of the most prolific, intelligent speakers I have ever heard. And he was not wrong. But he was short-sighted in the way that Martin Luther King Jr. had a vision of hope. He had a dream. He had a vision that even when he was killed, this is why people, especially the people who needed to change, 
remembered him more than Malcolm X. Realizing because of the internet and media, I know Malcolm X more. To understand that he was just as not wrong as Martin Luther King Jr. But they were both seen as radical domestic terrorists. But because Martin Luther King Jr.'s message of hope and peace was gaining popularity, the natural order of control is to smash the most hopeful and loving and positive message on the playing board because control's idea of might makes right, the extreme masculine says, if I stop this, everyone else will dissipate. But that just builds the resolve. Extreme masculine is the problem, not masculinity. Just as the way extreme feminists is not the pro- is is the problem, sorry, is the problem compared to feminism. This is why throughout time there were clear messages. The right to vote. Equal opportunity. These were the clear messages of feminism. And just as masculinity has had the privilege of not needing to have a revolution, extreme masculinity is just as much a problem as extreme feminist. And this is the natural state of mind to think that the opposition to extreme masculinity is extreme feminism. This is a natural conclusion. But the more spiritual, loving, rational, logical conclusion that does not rely on collective reasoning, but reasoning based in love, hope, Vision is how do we find out that masculinity and femininity are not wrong? And how do we come to terms with extreme feminism and extreme masculinity are both corruption? From a desire to fight control with control. I have a dream that I have heard from many other dreamers who are not accepting that extreme control, that control is even the answer. This is the dream I have chosen to believe in. And there are many out there and they are not as loud as the ones who are explaining why they should have control. Harmony is the key. I have found a dream that is full of love and hope. And I want to tell others about this dream that I have found. It is not my dream. I do not even know whose dream it is. But it is a dream of love. It is a dream of hope. It reminds me so much of dreamers like Martin Luther King Jr., 
like Nellie Bly, like Marcus Aurelius, like Buddha, like Jesus Christ. I don't even know whose it is. It's echoed in other dreamers that were looking for other dreamers to, who think different, who think so far out of the mainstream that the mainstream doesn't even pay attention to them. They don't even get mentioned. They are so far on the fringes, they aren't even on the spectrum of good or bad. They are the unmentionables. They are the forgotten they're forgotten good ideas. Because good ideas don't need to be enforced. Good ideas won't be enforced. Good ideas need to be nurtured. This is the value of femininity and masculinity. It's coming into harmony and realizing that Men who believe that emotional intelligence, when talked about with the masculine and the feminine, sounds gay. That's a cultural norm. It's not bad to believe that, but it's bad to act on that belief. It's bad to make a choice based on that belief. Because that belief is a collective reasoning that keeps us from embracing emotional intelligence. It makes us put feelings on a pedestal and ignore our core emotions. Feelings are a reaction to an emotion that we have not come to terms with, that we have not finished processing, that we have not let ourselves process, realizing that we can be in mourning and experience happiness, sadness, depression, joy, all at once while mourning. Even the death of a loved one, because at one moment we are sad that they are gone. Another, we are filled with joy from a memory of a life shared together. Feelings are a reaction based on a perspective that we may not even be aware that we have a choice in changing. We always have a choice in what we feel. But when we're so used to reacting to emotions... We don't believe that feelings have a choice in them. We can get to a point where we are no longer reacting with feelings, but we react to our feelings. Like Daniel Kahneman talks about in Thinking Fast and Slow, feelings, like anxiety, were once tools to help us understand the sentiment of an important decision. Now that we are overwhelmed with anxiety and feelings all the time, we don't know how to categorize them as good or bad because we don't realize they are neutral. They are like road signs for us to understand, be aware but since we are so overloaded with anxieties and feelings, we miss the road sign that we need to let go of them, all of them, even if just temporarily, whether that's weeks or months, to the point where we are no longer addicted to living a life that is consumed with feelings and anxieties. Because feelings and anxieties reacting to feelings 
which are in themselves reactions and not even knowing where the choice lies. This is how we get addicted without even knowing it. This is how we can get addicted to a screen and four and a half billion in the people and people in the world have a worse addiction than heroin with their screen addiction because it's a reaction to addictive tendencies. So we can get addicted to anything from shopping to arguing to, you know, selfies to looking at selfies to all sorts of things. It is an addiction machine. It makes drug addictions worse. It makes social addictions worse. It makes eating addictions worse. And 50 years from now, when we figured out a way to integrate our masculine and feminine back to the point where we can have the clarity and the awareness to have grandchildren come up to us and say, Grandma, Grandpa, was there really a time when people didn't understand how to responsibly use their screens and they didn't know that it was worse than heroin? This is a future that we are facing. But first, it means coming to terms with the magnitude of our distractions. Why we can't come to terms and find harmony with masculine and feminine. Why we can't come to terms with a binary definition system of male or female based on sex cannot be on an infinite spectrum in a legal system that is only set up to tolerate binary options. It's not, we, we don't live in a world with smart legal systems. They work on binary levels. It's the difference between an abacus and a computer. It's the difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum. We don't have smart governmental systems yet. We don't have smart governance. So asking a government to keep track of more than a binary option, it almost broke by putting other into the option. We need to understand that there are solutions outside of our awareness. These solutions are hidden behind the things that we are told are good or bad, the things that aren't even on our radar. Dig deep and do everything you've been told is bad because right on the outskirts, right on what the bad is saying is not important, (laughs) you'll find that the good side is also saying that those things are not important. Our attention should go to where both the good and the bad can unite to say, oh, don't pay attention to that. This is quantum practicality where we look at the big picture, where we look past fear with awareness to realize fear is a reactionary feeling. Let it go. Coming to terms with your masculine and feminine sides can really help with this awareness to realize that everyone is wrong. And there is a way that's more right 
that everyone who has some ounce of control or power, even on a micro level, where they're seeking to gain more power or control for even the vanity of good. We may not believe that it's a vanity, but if they're seeking control or power in the name of good, what good idea needs to be enforced? No good idea needs to be enforced. The good ideas are not being listened to. They're on the outskirts. They're the ones that the people looking for control desperately don't want you to realize that the power is in your grasp as an individual to find happiness, acceptance, and fulfillment in your own life so that you can empower others. This is the difference between the duality complex and paradox. Paradox is where things like love, harmony, hope, dreams live paradoxes are not absolutely wrong or bad nor should they be feared we should find harmony between paradox and duality because extreme duality is what leads us to think that gender doesn't exist gender is only defined by sex with binary options Everything outside of these two binary options is different and different is bad. And masculine and feminine need to align with sexual organs. And anything outside of masculine and feminine social norms is different and different is bad. Different is not bad. Different is neutral. It is our choice to see it as good or bad. Coming to terms with this, help me understand that there is no good or bad femininity or masculinity. There are only positive and negative choices. There are only choices that result in positive impact or choices that result in negative impact. And in a reactionary state, we don't see even our next choice with clarity, let alone choices more than our next choice ahead. We may have expectations that we find is a lot like trying to be psychic or a prophet or, you know, seeing the future. There is no crystal ball, but realizing that. If something provides positive choices in the positive results in the now, if a choice provides positive results in the now, it may not seem as positive as we need it to be. But having patience, using time as a tool, will result in long term positive outcomes. Settling for something that results in everything we believe we need in the now will prove throughout time that what we believed we needed in the now was not absolutely correct, and it breaks down over time. This is clear when we have a healthy relationship with understanding the dangers of extreme dualism or extreme paradox, and finding harmony between the two is how you don't sacrifice logic and reason for love, hope, and dreams, and how you don't sacrifice love, 
hope, dreams, vision, innovation for extreme rule following. This this is the world we live in where good can become bad and bad can become good. Finding harmony between dualism, which defines good and bad, and paradox, which houses eternal universal principles like love, charity, kindness, integrity, honesty, trust. This is how we don't sacrifice rules that don't lead us to these things, but help us to find them in the now. There is no one way to be masculine or feminine. Realizing that my masculine side is where my confidence lies. But not knowing how to find that, I left it up to my feminine side to define it for me because that was my empathetic side. That was the side that helped me listen. And when I listened to other people, how they had confidence, the explanations they gave me as intellectual and as brilliant as they were, I realize now were not based on emotional intelligence because it is such a rare knowledge and skill set to know about, let alone practice, that I realized I was asking people that didn't know how to answer in any way other than intelligently. And this requires an emotionally intelligent answer, not an intellectually intelligent answer. Emotional intelligence understands the difference between feelings and emotions. Intelligence based on data, facts, and rules, sees no difference. So when I was asking people around me to explain how I can have confidence, I was told classic things such as fake it till you make it, which is actually not wrong, but is incomplete. (laughs) Absolutely. It is absolutely incomplete. And I found many ways that have innovated on it, all in the realm of emotional intelligence. And this helped me realize that my confidence was feigned and was arrogance when tested. And coming to terms with this made me realize I had no idea how to be confident, so I started learning. And... Emotional intelligence brings harmony to data-based intelligence to move us from being human computers to being intelligent human beings. Finding harmony between emotional intelligence and data-based intelligence is a process I like to call spiritual intelligence. Self-awareness, wisdom, lie, and spiritual intelligence finding harmony between data-based intelligence and emotional-based intelligence. This spiritual wisdom that has nothing to do with an orthodoxy or a dogma. These are ancient spiritual ideas that over time have been incubated in things like churches and religions. 
But good ideas don't need to be enforced. So the only thing that churches and religions have enforced over time are bad ideas. To the point where most good ideas are so silent that they are lost in what eventually becomes doctrine or dogma or culture. Masculine and feminine has nothing to do with sexual organs. It has nothing to do with sexual preference. It has to do with your ability to love, your ability to be loved, your ability to listen, your ability to get people to listen to you. Your desire for attention your ability to gain attention. All of these things lie in emotional intelligence. And there is no data or skill set that is more valuable to this world than that in an emerging market to remind a hyper-intellectual world that we are human. Human. 